Perfect. All right, everybody. Um, so this is my actually first time on Talking Pit. My name is Brennan McDonald. I'm the senior assistant here at Pit. Um, and today's a really special episode for me because we were talking to two of my biggest mentors. So we have John Spurlock, director at Kentucky of Olympic Sports. And then we have Ryan DeVrent, who is also at Kentucky and are two of the guys that taught me everything I know in this field. So um, I spent a long time, almost six years under them, learning under them. And uh, I've talked to a lot of people that left the program since then. And the biggest thing that we can't get over is how much we learned during our time in that program, how structured that program is, um, and how much we didn't appreciate it as much as we probably should have while we were in there. So um, with that, you know, the more people I talk to, you guys have really branded yourselves and, and are becoming known as a program that um, cranks out good coaches, that that really has a, a well-run program. And I just want to talk about that today, kind of where you came from, um, how it got to be that point, because you guys have both been in a, a school for a long time, which most people in our field don't stay put as long as you two have. Um, and that's pretty much what we got on doc today. So um, first off, I just want to stay with you guys, and we can start with Spurlock. But you guys have been there for a long time. So if you want to talk through how long you've been, how your role has evolved, um, and, and what, what it's like to be in one place for that long. So I think it's unique because both Dee and I got to Kentucky around the same time. I got there a year earlier than he did. So my first day on the job at UK was July 31st, 2006, and Dee showed up about a year later. <clears throat> but when we both came into the program, we both came in as – uh, entry level interns. Um, and then from that point on, we, he was in football originally, I was in Olympic sports and then, um, we both kind of progressed at somewhat the same rate. So we became full-time assistants around the same time. And then when Steph Tracy Simmons stepped into administration, him and him and I both stepped into leadership roles for, uh, the Olympic sports staff. So, um, it's, I was thinking about how long we have been here. And then I also started thinking about some of the other coaches at Kentucky that have been here for almost just as long as us, if not longer. So Craig Skinner on the, the head volleyball coach, Rachel Lawson with softball, Carlos Drada with uh, women's tennis. But then looking at other people that outside of coaching that have left strength and conditioning that are still at Kentucky. You got Mark Hill, who D what time, what year did Hill get here? 99. Yeah. So yeah, two he, years, I think prior to coach Tracy. Yep. So Hill's been here for well over two decades now. Steph got here in 2002. Uh, uh, Rock got here with originally when Patino was the head men's basketball coach, left to go to the Bengals and, you know, eventually came back. But there's been a lot of people that have stayed at Kentucky. And I think that's just um, a big part of that is the vision and the leadership from Mitch Barnhart. And I know that's a big reason why D and I have stuck around because people have invested in us. They've invested invested in us as coaches, as professionals, as people in general. But that's kind of the moral of the story: why people stick around Kentucky. I mean, the consistency. I think uh, it's been so consistent for so long. You know, from my time here, like in two thousand seven, to when COVID happened in two thousand twenty. I think. Since COVID has happened, the consistency of people and the people staying here a little bit longer has kind of went away due to the fact of there are jobs that are, you know, that can pay a little bit more that are less hours where you don't have to work on the weekends or work the 12 to 14 hour days. And I think that we've probably seen more of a change in the last couple of years than what we've had pre previously, you know, the first 10 um, just do it. it COVID you know, damaged a lot of thing and made things a lot 
better, you know, us being here and talking on, you know, a podcast and doing this in person and looking at each other on a zoom it, you know, COVID did that. Um, so there's good things for it and there's bad things for it. Very nice. Yeah. I think it, it feels probably less weird that you have been there so long. Cause you know, like here where there's been uh, a lot of growth and a lot of change and I'm one of the older people, at least on my staff now, you know, so we're a lot more people have been moving around in, in my environment. And it's weird when you hear someone that's been there for 13 years, you know? So I think as I went into this conversation today, I expected it to be that you've seen so many other things change around you, but I didn't even think about the fact that you're not in alone and a lot of people have stuck around, which is, is cool. It's funny that you said that because uh, Jim Adelino, who has been, he probably was here before Hill was here, but he is uh, overseas, he's executive athletic director for our ADP division. Him and I were sitting in the office yesterday and we were talking about, oh, facilities. So we're, Memorial Coliseum is about to undergo a remodel. So is the field house. And then BMAC, I don't know if you know this, but we're getting a new indoor track facility where the old baseball field um, was because that's completely demoed right now. So we were talking through those timelines and then kind of reminiscing about how this side of campus has changed so much over the years. But that's another person that is, you know, spent many, 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 many years, multiple decades here at Kentucky, but it's, you don't really think about the changes around you until you sit down and kind of reminisce. And D and I do that sometimes in the, in the office or when somebody new comes in. So we just got a new um, assistant uh, volleyball coach. So he's coming in with a lot of new ideas and they're all great ideas, but then we've also done a lot of the same things year after year after year, just because that's the way it's set up. Because if we want to use Nutter Fieldhouse, we have multiple teams that want that scheduled time, but the scheduled time for volleyball is at six o'clock in the morning. So he was kind of questioning, like, why do we get up so early? It's like, oh, you know, I really would prefer that we didn't. But if we want to use this facility and this field and uh, we use the gymnastics room a lot with our jumping progressions, it's like we have to do it at this time because that's just the way it is. And that's the way the schedule is set up. So you really don't start thinking about how long you've been there until people start coming in and bringing new ideas, which is, which is great, but it makes you really sit back and think, okay, we're doing this because this is just the way it's done at Kentucky. We're, we're getting to that point now when we go to all staff meeting and we have like our, you know, deal that it's like, we're the old people, but we're like, <laughs> we're looking around, like, who are all these new faces? I mean, like, you know, before COVID, it was like, it felt like it was the consistency. Then, you know, we went, um, it was like over for our Christmas party, like the all staff get together before Christmas happened. And that was probably the one piece that I'm like, I don't know half the people in this room just because it'd been so long, you know? So in Spurlock being able to go to Joe Craft, he gets to see some more people that I usually don't see. But. Definitely. And uh, you, you kind of started alluding to this when you talked about different facilities that you've seen and, and don't even notice anymore. Um, and I know part of your story, as we always tell the CTS story every summer, but um, how's the program progressed in your time? You know, and this can be like not only facilities, it can be, you know, the program you run with your own staff, how many staff, really any direction you want to take it in. But what what, what have you seen change? So I, I this is one thing Dee and I talked about, and I didn't really think about it until I you asked this question and I started jotting down some notes. So Back in 2007, Dee and I were both here. We had three people on the Olympic sports strength and conditioning staff, two full-times, one GA. Football had four people, three full-times, one GA. 
men's basketball was one person over there. So that was eight strength coaches total on campus. Now in 2023, we have 10 to 11 on the Olympic sports side, four full-time with football. We got three basketball strength coaches. We got Brady and Lee that are the full-times, and then they have uh, one intern over there. So now we got a total of 16 to 17. So I think the number of strength coaches that we have, that's the biggest thing that hits me when I reflect back on what the department, what our strength and conditioning program looked like in 2007 as, a, as opposed to now. This is just a sheer, sheer number of strength coaches that we have. Uh, I'm going to talk on the side of, you know, when I moved over from football into the Olympic side and I moved over to Shively from Nutter, the biggest thing that I've seen and it's progressed over our time is probably the nutrition piece. Mm -hmm. uh, when we stepped into that role, it was, you know, Spurlock, myself, um, or given nutritional advice to all of our student athletes. And then all of a sudden, you know, Monica came along and it was like, thank God it took a little load off, but she was by herself. So we're still, you know, helping her out in that way. But to see that progress and Monica having, you know, a couple full-time people under her now with a bunch of volunteers, that's evolved a ton. Going from a facility in Shively where we held all of our, you know, Olympic sport athletes to like a 3,500 square foot weight room with 12 racks, like half racks to now, you know, moving over to Nutter to house, you know, over 420 athletes in a day or in a week or whatever that come in there on a daily basis. They, you know, now we have 20 you know, platforms that we can work out. We can, you know, structure a lot more where before, you know, our day would start at 6am and it would be a group of six, group of seven, group of eight, group of nine, group of 10. And then we would kind of have a couple hour break there. And then again, it was hit again at, you know, one until seven o'clock at night. And I think the um, biggest thing D is that at Shively, we could only have one group at a time. There wasn't yeah. multiple teams in there. We the, the space was so small. And now if I walk over to Nutter at 6am might be softball, and uh, one of the, maybe both of the golf teams training at the same time. So that from a scheduling standpoint, us moving over to Nutter, that was huge just from a, the space that we had. Yeah. Yeah. I like these point too about uh, back in the day before Monica came on board, we were the strength coach. It was us in athletic training. That was it. That was the performance team. There was no sports psychologist. There was no a uh, director of leadership. There was no nutrition department. So we were the nutrition. We were expected to be the strength coach, the person that uh, was in charge of making sure our athletes were becoming great people and great leaders, um, especially during the off season. Uh, we were the nutritionist where I remember D got the, he got the tough, tough end of the rope because he had the swimmers for nutrition Ooh. counseling. I had softball. So I remember sitting down with Kara Dill, who is now the head softball coach at UT Arlington. And like her and I would talk once a week, but D had the swimmers. So he had multiple athletes that he was going over food logs with multiple times per week. I just remember being like, I am so glad Steph delegated softball to me <laughs> as opposed to swimming because D looks miserable. It was, it was, it's definitely miserable. I was writing all those logs or reading all the logs from the daily logs that they put for the week. And I was like, I've got 25 to go through here. You know, those are the things that people don't understand. Like it made us definitely better. Um, just, you know, making more of a connection piece with those people yeah. and the student athletes. So 
I think on top of that, going back to Dee's point is we had those three responsibilities. We were the strength coach. We expected we were expected to develop leadership in our student athletes. We were the the nutritionists, but then we also had five to six teams each, as opposed to right now where D has three. I got one, and you know I oversee everything that's going on with our new program and stunt. But I don't know how we got it done with that small of a faci- small of a facility, with the number of teams that we each had and the responsibilities that we had. Holy smokes. Now thinking about all the resources that we have, the number of coaches, um, you know, the performance staff that we have now with our dietitians, Dr. Cormier with sports psychology, Sean Umbrell with the leadership piece. It's it's I often think back and I might be wanting to complain about something. And then I really have to take a big deep breath and be like, what am I complaining about? Like thinking back to 2007, 2008, 2009, we had none of that. None of that. Do you feel like your role has changed? I mean, obviously you're not doing those other areas of, of performance, but you know, now strength coaches are more expected to come to practices and do warm-ups and travel. And and it's at least on my position that I hold, it's a different dynamic. Do you guys feel like your role has changed drastically to fill the time that you were doing nutrition logs and, and other stuff? What do you think, D? I think the expectation from coaches now is more specific to their team. So them knowing that we have more numbers, you know, their expectation of us has grown larger year by year. And, you know, they forget that it's not, Hey, we're the only sport that you work with. No, we, we do have multiple sports that we work with. So, you know, you got to bring them down to level ground when you have, you know, staff meetings for that sport and tell them that like, this is my day. This is what consists of. I'll get over there as much as I can, but there is other priorities that are going on from running the staff to managing the coaching assistants to managing your other coaches, the other support staff, the student athletes. There's, there's a lot more that goes into it where the expectations cannot always be um, filled for our coaches, but you know, that's, they just see that the numbers have grown as a staff and at the end of the day, it's, yeah, they've grown, but they, we still have a ton of responsibilities. That's why our staff has grown. You know, now we have to take care of more people, which puts more of a workload on the staff. The number I wrote down was 2014. So just talking about travel, I got to Kentucky in 2006, was hired on as a full-time assistant strength coach in 2009, director of strength conditioning uh, for Olympic sports in 2013, but I did not travel with a team until 2014 the first away trip i ever went on was in that year and it was with our women's basketball team to dallas texas where we played a um, doubleheader with our men's program versus baylor at the cowboy stadium so we played in the cowboy stadium they came on right after us great experience but before that i just there's no way i i could have justified it and going to d's point um we what we didn't have to do back in 2007 was I feel like all the management pieces that we have now, because there was a staff, it was once we got past that initial set of three and D came on board to the Olympic sports side, it was still four to five of us. And that was it. So we weren't managing, you know, four to five super young strength coaches that we brought into our program like we do now, which we spend a lot of time with our coaching assistants and making sure that their resumes are set and 
Uh, we're teaching them everything they need to know about speed, agility, conditioning, uh, programming projects, all that. Our development happened every single hour of every single day because when Steph had swimming, I was assisting her with swimming, whether I was a GA, an intern, or a full-time assistant. When Steph had softball, D was helping her with softball. So we were, I think even D helped me out with uh, men's soccer um, mm -hmm. throughout the year. So we were learning from each other. We were learning on the fly. We were, our system was very cohesive because it it, it had to be because our numbers were so small uh, staffing wise, but that's where all of our development came from. We, we all shared this tiny office, super small office over in Shively. So when we did have time to sit down, it was talking about our program, talking about what we had the next day or the next hour. And it, 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 there was no time to say, well, let's spend this hour learning about force plates. Let's spend this hour going over your um, your progression for uh, plyos. It's like, no, everything you just learn from people because you were assisting everybody with every single team that they had. That's a great point. And, and we'll talk about the internship next. It's a good segue. But I, I we talked about it on your podcast uh, last week, I think it was, where internships. That's the one, two Kentucky Blue podcast right. hosted by well, John Spurlock. It's on Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, a lot of people that I'm talking to as we're developing, I'm trying to develop an internship program, say, well, I didn't have anything like that. We would just coach. And I was thinking about it after we spoke and said, you know, what do those people do all day? Because right now I feel like if I don't give my interns things, they have a couple teams and then they leave. Uh, but that's a great point. I didn't even think about how few staff members you had and that you really was just, you're thrown into the fire, you, you, you coach and then you leave. Uh, but going off of that, so you guys, like I said, have been, you're known now for producing big coaches and, and good, great coaches. Um, and I know the internship program didn't always look like it does now. Um, but can you guys talk about what went into building your program? Um, and I say internship program, but I really mean your whole staff because everybody does everything together. And it's quite a structured program for those of you that haven't been part of, of Kentucky's system before. So can you guys talk about that and how you think that that's led you to be this program that cranks out great coaches? Let me start off by talking about why our development of our young strength coaches is so important. Then I'll let Dee touch on the nuts and bolts of everything that we do. But when the expectation of our sport coaches did go up and I was expected to run the warm up, let's say, for our women's basketball team every day that they had practice. But then I also needed to be over in Shively to uh, have the jumpers go through their their workout for that day. I couldn't be in two places at once. So I was lucky enough that Steph, Tracy Simmons, Mark Hill. Uh, those were our administrators at the time. They were on board with that vision where we needed more help, not more help with full-time strength coaches, but young people we could bring into the program, um, pay them um, so that they were able to make a living wage. And we didn't have to bring in volunteer interns every single semester, but it became very evident that D, myself, whoever needed to be in two places at once, and we needed to make sure that those young strength coaches were educated enough in the way that we do things so that they could have a little bit autonomy. If I needed to lead, leave a lift 15 minutes early to go from Shively weight room to Joe Craft weight room, find a parking spot, and then making sure that I was on time for women's basketball's practice or whatever it might be. So we realized real quick that the way we were doing things, let's say prior to 2012, 2013, that needed needed to change. We did needed to make sure we spent a heck of a lot more time um, orientating, teaching, 
uh, developing our young strength coaches. And eventually that led into the philosophy that I really like to hire people that know our system. So if you started off as a summer intern, then we would hire you on as a coaching assistant. Then you could stay on as a graduate assistant. If a position opened up, just like for you, BMAC, right when Rankin left, uh, we would be able to hire you on as a full-time uh, strength coach. And there would be very few hiccups. It allowed our administration to have trust in us that our program was going to have a lot of continuity. Um, the sport coaches were happy because whether you went from Jeannie Rankin to Brendan McDonald to Brent Jones, a lot of the same things were going to be the same. Obviously, each coach is a little bit different in their personality and programming style, but the overall philosophy was going to be solid and consistent. So that's kind of the, the 30,000 view of our internship program and why we develop our coaches like we do. But I'll let Dee talk about the nuts and bolts of it and how how it has changed over the years. So looking at when, you know, we took over and, you know, Coach Tracy stepped aside, the intern packet, it used to be, you know, like two pages long where you had the cover page, like the title page. And then the second page would just be like an outline of kind of like what they were going to run through. But, you know, what we haven't talked about is when we did have interns, we were interviewing for the summer, we were interviewing for the fall, we were interviewing for the spring, kind of like what you're going through, BMAC, which is a little bit more of a struggle um, because you're constantly having to do the same thing over and over and over. And to say that you're developing those coaches, like it's hard to do, you know, when you're constantly setting up for the next semester, you don't feel like you're giving everything that you can and us moving into, you know, grabbing four to five coaching assistants from the summer um, to keep on for an entire year, that's evolved and changed a ton and made our program better. Uh, it's made the development of the coaches better. We've gotten better, you know, interns that are bought into becoming better strength coaches and be either becoming a GA or a full-time strength coach when they leave here. Um, but going back to, you know, the two-page, you know, intern packet that we have now that's evolved into a, a probably a 20-page document uh, that we hand out. Um, when I look at when it first started, the foundation, I, I talk about like, you know, it's like building a house, like the foundation is going to stay there forever. Um, and when Coach Tracy got here in 2002, she set the foundation of we're going to use the same programming template. We're going to use the same terminology. Um, and this is how cohesive and, and close our staff is going to be. So when I say like that's the foundation, that hasn't changed. But you know, the details and evolving and making things better throughout the years from, you know, bringing in coach teach to programming project um, to, you know, leadership talks, leadership talks, yep. you know, the, the lectures that we give on programming um, that stuff has definitely been trial and error during the course of our time. Um, nothing has been perfect, but I think, Two, back in the day, we asked the interns, like we asked them for feedback, like they would leave us for the summer or they leave us from the fall or spring. We would ask their advice, like, hey, what's something that you thought was really good and what's something that we need to change? Well, we've gotten to a point now with our interns that we don't even ask it anymore um, because we're really set in our ways. Like uh, to us, kind of the opinion doesn't matter um, anymore. We felt like we've got into a point now with the internship that you know, it's pretty solid. Um, but again, 
we're very strong in our purpose and goals, as you know, BMAC. Um, we, it's, this is the way you're going to do it when you come here. And the standard is very, very high. Um, and at the end of the day, the biggest goal is, is that, you know, we're going to make you the best person and coach possible when you leave here. Um, and I think that gets forgotten is where this field has evolved. It's, you know, evolved into a big technology side of things and sports science side, which is great for the field. Um, but I think the, the forgotten piece is the coaching piece. And I think that's what interns think is like coaching is using technology and using that all the time where it's like, no, you actually got to coach the student athletes. Um, so that hasn't left for us. I, I think if you talk about it and put it in kind of in a smaller term and not having to drag on and talk about every detail of our program, the overall, you know, scheme of our program is really what I just talked about. And we're yeah, always trying to modify it as much as we can. I know D hit it, the nail on the head where he's like, we don't really so much ask for their opinions anymore, but if something does go, doesn't go the way we thought it should have. So we had a few issues with our programming project this past summer where we just didn't feel like they were getting it. Like we felt like they should have, we did pull two of them aside and be like, all right, you guys did a good job this summer. This is our frustration. We felt like we gave you this information, but the product we got back was subpar. Where where did we miss the point? What was confusing? What wasn't clear? And we will take that feedback and then we got to modify and adjust for the next summer. But then we also come back to the, the, the thought that every group of summer interns we get is going to be different. We can't say that there's one blueprint that's going to work for every single person that comes into our program or every single intern group that comes into our program. So we have to take that into account when we're developing the curriculum and then sometimes just roll with the punches and see what uh, see how it goes. I think that's a, the biggest thing I value and that I've heard a lot of feedback from the, my time with you guys is that you take the time to do like the base knowledge stuff, you know, and I think. A lot of people leave school and school, it's all just like, here's the NSDA textbook and there's no like actual real life. This is the beginning knowledge that you need to know. Um, I think everybody really values the fact that you guys take the time you sit down. This is how you coach this. If this goes wrong, this is how you fix it. And you spend that time doing that, which I think most people, like you said, D, it's boom, here's a fourth plate day one. Um, they don't take the time to actually teach you how to fix a squat or a clean or whatever movement that you're mm -hmm. looking for. So and I think that's what's missing with the education, the formal education of strength coaches. That even if you have a strength and conditioning major, like if that is your major in undergrad, they're probably not teaching you a lot of the stuff that you would learn hands-on on the floor that you would learn throughout your three to four years with us. If you go through our complete development program where it's summer intern, coaching assistant, GA. So by the, I think Strobus and Gibby are great examples. Like both of them came in as summer interns. And they were, they're both on the four-year plan where they weren't originally our pick to be the next graduate assistant replacement, but they, they both earned that position. And now that Strobus is in his fourth year, Gibby is in his third year. Like it's, it's, that's the way I feel like it needs to be as opposed to the route of going, all right, I just got my undergrad. I might've done an internship or two when I could in my spare time uh, during that uh, undergraduate period. Now I got offered this GA spot at this school. It's going to be great. I'm going to learn so much. No, you're going to be breathing from a fire hose. You're going to have, let's say you have three teams that are yours. You're going to be assisting with three more, if not more. And you're going to be going to school full time because you're trying to get done in a year and a half. Your development, your overall quality of the experience is going to be 
as opposed to with us, we we're going to teach you what you need to know in the summer. We're going to teach you the basics of our program, how to be a solid Kentucky strength coach. We're going to teach you how to lead yourself or at least give you the, the information and the tools that you need to lead yourself. Then if you are picked for that GA spot and you're going to do that shadow year where you're going to get to know the student athletes that you're going to be in charge of for the following two years, and then you'll have a team or, you know, three to four teams that you'll be able to program for with some oversight from a full-time strength coach, have interaction with dietitian, medical staff, head coaches, everybody else. So by the time you are done with your master's degree, you have, you've gone through the steps of everything that you need to do to become a super solid strength coach. And you're ready to go for that full-time position. Mm-hmm. It's funny. Cause I look back, cause I think I was the first one that signed on for the four year plan. Um, and I remember thinking like, Oh gosh, I want to be in one place that long. Is that going to hurt me on my resume that I'm not moving around and getting all these different names. And I was legitimately worried about that. Uh, but I tell people all the time, I think that's the best thing I ever did because I, every situation that I think I'll encounter aside from like leading a staff as a director or an internship, you know, things that I, I didn't necessarily wasn't able to get there. Um, I've faced, you know, I, I've through those four years, I saw one system, but I saw every situation that could pop up. And so I felt prepared, you know, moving to a new place because I I'd seen it all. Um, and I think that that's, you want to encourage young people to get out and see different schools and see different ways that they do things because not everybody does run the same system. But also in a lot of ways, it is nice to just be somewhere for a, a while, like you said, and develop and like not have to worry about keep changing your environment. It's just, let's just learn where I'm at and take in everything. So yeah, it's a valuable thing you have. Um, all right. So, you know, you've built up the program. You guys have been there for a while and you've, you've gotten it to a point that you're known now. Um, what's next? What are what are staff goals? What are things you guys are, are looking for in the future that you want to add or change? I think the biggest thing for me and Dee and I have talked about it and we've talked about it as a staff is one thing that is on my mind is. How do we start addressing a lot of the issues that are within the strength and conditioning profession? And one of those being that we have a unpaid internship program in the summer, which we talked about this on our podcast where I don't want to sound like a hypocrite saying that that's wrong, but like the way that we do it, it's necessary because we have two people, two coaching assistants right now on our staff that already have their master's degree, but they were not ready to take on a full-time job after that because the formal education, your bachelor's degree, your master's degree does not prepare you to be a full-time strength coach. It doesn't. So I think that's one of the issues. And I always come back to the fact that we are the only profession, especially in the collegiate performance team um, area that once you do have your formal education, if you didn't go through the process like uh, we have here at Kentucky. Your next step is to get an unpaid inter- internship for an extended period of time or a very low level entry level position where you're making 10 to $15 per hour, maybe a part-time coach. And mm-hmm. that's just not right. And I don't know what the answer is. I have some thoughts, but that's what's on my mind for the next step is how do I become a advocate for our profession? How do I make sure that I'm just not complaining, that I'm spitting out uh, possible solutions? How do I get more involved with the NSCA, the CSCCA, so that we can start making progress in the areas that I think are holding us back as strength coaches? 
And the the one thing that I, you know, reflected on and thought about was really our interview process of bringing in quality coaches. And, and the reason I say that is because um, nobody really wants to work for free um, anymore. Um, so it's like, are we, when we go throughout that interview process and we ask that question and everybody knows that when they interview, you know, we ask the question, like, what is one of the hardest jobs you've ever had? Um, is it a genuine and humble answer that they give? Um, because I, I'd rather take somebody that's, you know, willing to go with an unpaid position and work their tail off to earn something than somebody that's like, well, I should just be handed this because this is where the world is going. I can go work and, you know, get a job over here and start making money instantly where it's like, no, you're not going to be handed something and you got to earn it. And, you know, I think looking at how our interview process has evolved, that's something that I think that we're, you have to change, you know, somewhat to figure out somebody's personality and character on uh, going off of, you know, where we've started so far, we're, you know, into February, the first couple of days of February. Um, and we're, we've already brought on four interns for the summer so far. And that's just based off of, you know, who we thought they were as people, but really wanting to like be here because you could tell by their character and the questions that we asked is they might've not had the best answers, but we could tell that they were in the right space. Um, so I think when I reflected and looked at that, you know, and thought about that, it, it, that's probably the biggest thing that I'm looking at is because this generation it's, it's changing so much. Um, and, I think that's the best way of looking at it is the interview process and really zeroing in on who you're bringing in and the questions you ask and having them put the videos through to us and us watching those videos. There's so much more that we have now than the five question interview process that we had back in the day. I think too, you know, sometimes I struggle with our unpaid part of our summer internship, but then I also think like they can get, it's as much as we put into it, it is more is going to be more than what they probably get than their four-year college education with the amount of time and energy and how intentional we are um, into developing them into strength coaches. In all reality, we should probably be charging people to come into our program and learn our system and learn the way that we do it. So when I keep that in mind, not being evil about it, where I'm, I'm going to take their money, but um, – <laughs> It's I don't feel bad about it because it's not a internship where you show up, you stand in the corner, you you set up for the workout and then afterwards you clean up and then you wipe down the benches. It's not that at all. You are getting on hand or on the floor coaching experience. You're getting leadership lectures, all the things that D talked about, coach teach sessions, you know, very personalized um, programming project um, advice lectures it's it, it, there's so much that goes into our summer internship and then after that the coaching assistant development along with our graduate assistant development program as well that it's 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 necessary because you don't learn those things when you're getting a bachelor's degree and a master's degree because they're thrown in the fire right away when they come in the summer like they have orientation week you know and then all of a sudden you know three days later it's like Yep. You're uh, coaching teams. You know, we got 60 athletes sitting here at 6 a.m. And it's Start earning names. That's right. Yep. <laughs> yep. I think the biggest thing Dean and I talked about, too, is that has changed over the years with our internship program. The packet being one where it's not just two pages anymore. <laughs> and I, D said it the other day in the office and it made me giggle. He goes, it was two pages. And that's including the cover letter. <laughs> <laughs> but it used to be back in the day in the summer. 
first day of workouts with the student athletes, that was the, the intern's first day on campus. So mm -hmm. we would have them, like we had responsibilities for them. Like, you're going to do this, you're going to do that. We haven't even shook hands with these people yet because everything else was just a phone interview. So now we Jeez, do have I them come in. Yeah, we do have them come in a week early. We spend that week teaching them everything they need to know, not everything, but a, a solid foundation of what they need to know to be a functional coach on day one when the student athletes show up um, for the start of our eight week summer training program. Remember right there, I think evolved. it's cool that you've been there so long because you've learned those things. You know, if, if you two hadn't yeah. been together this long, you wouldn't have figured out, hey, let's bring them in a week early. Hey, let's, orientation week used to be a, a week and then a break week and then you're back on and you change yeah. that. So yeah. I think that's a, a testament to, to the two of you working together for so long, getting to see and make those changes too. I think a big part of that too is D and I have been together so long, but then it's not just D's running the internships. He's leading the charge with a lot of things. I have my responsibilities. Like I go over the first three habits with our interns from the seven habits book. D does a lot of the other inter or leadership talks, but then we've also, uh, you know, you've been, everybody that has been in our program has been a product of the internship program. So hearing your perspective, BMAC, and then Guymans and Woods and Carrillo's, it's, that's also helped us build the program to what it is because it's kind of an all hands on decks all hand on deck um, decision-making process that I feel like we've refined over the years. And I think we're in a really good spot now with um, being efficient with delegating duties and all that jazz, but it's, it's not just, it's Ryan DeVren's internship. It's like mm -hmm. these leading the charge, but we're also, you know, getting input from everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I, we, we won't take the credit. Uh, I feel like a lot of the credit goes to the input that we've gotten from the GAs and former interns in the past. Like there's, if it wasn't for those people, we wouldn't be where we've evolved to in it. Um, you know, and where we've evolved, even when you've left BMAC, like to, you know, when we say that we're all involved, it's like, it's laid out of, Hey, this is your expectation. This is when you need to get this done by. Um, and you know, you have the deadline once the deadline gets and it's done, like we move on in the next semester and it's like, this is what we got to get prepared for, uh, the spring semester. And once that's done, then we're ready to rock when you know, June hits, when all the interns, you know, come into the program. So I think that's the best thing I did last year when Gabby and Jones joined our program, Gabby wasn't a part of our internship program as well. Jones was a part of it, but during that COVID time period, so he didn't really have a grasp on everything that happened behind the scenes before the interns got here. But I, D and I made a to-do list. Like we got to get this done, this done, this done, this done. D's going to do this. Jones is going to do this. Gabby's going to do this. I'm going to do this. But I feel like we laid out a purpose and an end goal for each responsibility. And then it was like, get it done. Don't care when you get it done, but we know the interns are showing up at this time. So, and everybody did a great job. And I think that was the, the most stress-free preparation for our internship program or, or yeah, our internship program that I've had in a long time. And I think Dee yeah. would agree as well. Absolutely. Love it. Absolutely love it. And I can definitely say I, I respect the all hands on desk um, system that you have going on now that it's, it's me leading the charge and, and doing it over here. I refer back to what you guys showed me and how you showed that things can run themselves and be organized. Uh, but I, I have tremendous respect for for what you guys have set up and have running um, with that. So, all right. But you've made it your you've made it your own way too, BMAC. You know, like yeah, it's yeah. not like you taken everything that we've done, and it's like yeah, you've probably used some things, but like you're trying to make 
the program better in your way that helps you and and develop your interns in a different way than what we taught you, you know, which that's how people get better. And when we call you and talk with you, you make us better with our internship, you know, from the advice that you've learned from the trials and tribulations and errors and all of that. So. Saving the fam. Yep. <laughs> Perfect. Well, um, okay. I've kept you long enough. I got one more question for you guys. And I know the, the biggest lesson or the most impactful lesson is a hard thing to think of, especially when you've been in a place as long as you guys have. Um, but what's, you know, one of the the more impactful lessons that you can think of that you've learned over your time that you would want to share with the world? Why don't you go first, D? Mine is the calls that I get from our former interns and them talking about like maybe they had a rough time when they were here because our standard is so high and we've asked so much of them. But they, I don't think they realize when they are here how much we prepared them for that next step. And then when they get to that next step, they see how other people act and go about their business and realize like, wow, this is why we are so hard. So when I get that call, like that's the lesson I've learned is like, are we too hard? You know, is our standard too high? And that's when it hits me is like, it isn't you know, because we've impacted them in some way. That's why our networking page is so big um, from impacting those people. And when I do get those calls, that's the biggest lesson that I've learned is that we did impact them in a way that has made them a better person, a better coach and a better mentor now um, where we've mentored them, equipped, launched, sent them out. And now they're mentoring other people. I love that, that our expectations are high, but I, I hopefully all of our interns or anybody that comes to our program realizes that our expectations for our program for our interns are exactly the same that D and I hold for ourselves. So if something happens on our end where a mistake is made and sometimes stuff happens and that's fine, but did you own up to it? Did you reflect? Did you um, say you're sorry? Did, did, did you really think through how you're not going to let that mistake happen again? That word that, we are as hard on ourselves as we are on our young strength coaches as well. And we, and the ultimate end goal was for them to leave our program and be able to be great strength coaches and continue on with their development and uh, be great ambassadors of Kentucky strength and conditioning. So I love that point. What I wrote down was, you know, one thing that I've learned, a lesson that I've learned is definitely preach what you practice. Don't practice what you preach. So the biggest hiccup for me in my leadership tenure here was when Steph left to go to administration and uh, I had to fill a lot of her roles and responsibilities. I was trying to do things exactly the way that Steph did them because Steph was great. She was my mentor. She she was a rock star. She still is a rock star, but I was trying to do the budget the way she did it. And she was very analog where everything was written down on a piece of paper. She was doing the math in her head. She was, it was a lot of, uh, uh, paper and pencil type of stuff. And I was trying to do it exactly like her. And then that created a lot of stress on me when it finally I realized that I needed to come up with my own system. I needed to invest time in myself. I needed to make sure that I was figuring out the best way to still have these best practices in place, but have them in place and have a process um, set up that it was best for John Spurlock. Just because Steph Simmons did it this way does, does not mean that that's the exact same way that John Spurlock is going to be able to do it. And that's something I try to pass along to, you know, all of our coaches. 
um, that come through our program. It's like, you're going to see how D does things. You're going to see how Spurlock does things, but you got to figure out sooner or later how it's going to best fit into your coaching style or the way that you want to carry, uh, get your, get your duties and responsibilities done. I think that, I think the main message there too, is you got to make time for yourself, both professionally and personally. And I think you were definitely on staff when we were talking about this BMAC, but there's a stigma in strength and conditioning and athletics in general, that if you're not working 16 hour days, you're, you're not, you're, you're not working hard enough. So if like today's a great day, like I got done with volleyball this morning, we had an early morning lift. I had an extra um, conditioning session with the group. They had individuals. I stayed and watched that. And now it's, it's noon and I'm home and I'm going to be home for the rest of the day. Cause everything that I can get done at work, I can get done at home and I can also throw in a load of laundry to help my wife out. Um, but that's me making time for myself and making sure that all my responsibilities are taken care of on campus from Monday through Thursday so that I do have this luxury on Friday to get home a little bit earlier than I, or a lot earlier than I normally would, but you got to make time for yourself. You got, whether that's daily with making sure that you, you, uh, set an hour aside each day to work out, whether that's weekly like, like I'm doing right now on Fridays that I'm able to leave work early and then something D and I have really uh, not taken advantage of, but really have been good ambassadors of this thought is like every summer we're taking a vacation mm-hmm. and we have our staff set up so that if D's gone, things can get covered. If I'm gone, things can get covered. And I think a great example to the uh, quality of our staff members now is D and I were both on vacation at the exact same time this past summer. He left for a cruise in Alaska. I left for a cruise in Florida. You had Brent Jones, first year assistant, Gabby Smith, first year assistant, and then Gibby and Strobus as GAs. And they rocked and rolled. We got back that next week and they were in charge of setting up everything for the week that we actually got back. And it was, it was great. Got to see Joan take a leadership role in one of our Friday workouts. Um, it was almost like a proud moment knowing that we could do that. Both of us be gone and everything go off without a hitch. And that just is a testament that we have prepared them. We've empowered them to make decisions. And um, I think it's just a great benefit of being a part of our staff now because it's not a stigma if somebody takes a vacation. As long as everything's covered and it's well thought out and, you know, you've communicated that to the staff, your athletic trainers, your coaches, it's all good. But Mm -hmm. I guess that's the more of the story for me is that you got to make time for yourself. Got to got to put on your own mask before you put it on others. Right. You have to make Mm -hmm. sure that you're fresh and ready to go. and You're going to be a better coach if you do take that time off. Yeah. Make sure you're sharp in the saw. There you go. Love it. All right, you guys. Um, thank you so much for for hopping on here with me today. It was it was good to hear everything that you had to say to share with the rest of the world, but also just selfish. I like catching up with you guys. Um, so I appreciate the time. Where uh, we already kind of mentioned, you have your own podcast, which uh, kind of inspired this one. So that's one two Kentucky Blue. Where can we find that, Spurlock? You can find that on any platform that you can listen to the podcast on. I listen to it on the Apple Podcast and also on Spotify. Perfect. Love it. Where else? Uh, where can young strength coaches looking for your internship? Anybody else? Um, where can they contact you? Are you big social media people? I don't yeah, know if you... we're big social media people, but <laughs> <laughs> we got a couple people that take over the social media piece. There we go. Where where can they find that? Uh, UK Ole Strength. 
uh, well, it's UK underscore, underscore. Only underscore strength. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, and then two, we have our internship going on right now of applying for that. And you can find that on the CSCCA website. Yep. Perfect. Yep. As a product of that, I highly recommend it. If you haven't uh, applied for it already, I, I definitely recommend you go for that one after you apply for mine, of course. Um, <laughs> but, but it's good stuff. So, all right, you guys, thank you so much.